Okay, here we are. Episode 10. Wow, we've made it to episode 10. Welcome back to the Technology in Worship podcast hosted by myself, Eric Coleman, and my good buddy, Benji Satorius. Benji, what are we talking about today? We are talking about a very important topic that I think gets overlooked by a lot of people. And that is the topic of having a quiet stage and the importance of having a quiet stage and what that benefits you and all those things. So yeah, that's what we are going to dive in today. And it's going to go from lots of different directions from less speakers on, less monitors on stage to amplifiers and acoustic drums and treating and all that type of stuff. So I'm excited about that. Wouldn't it be great if you could just snap your fingers and immediately you'd get people more involved at your church? Picture it. People would press in during worship. They'd be fully focused during your sermons and they would be excited to hear announcements. This is the wish of many churches because we all know the struggles of getting the attention of our community. That's where our friends at Church Motion Graphics can help. CMG equips churches with a large library of eye-catching graphics for worship, sermons, announcements, and more that will help you get attention and move your community forward in their faith. With just a few clicks, your church can start looking great, reaching more people and getting more involvement than ever. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com today. Eric, so... Why is having a quiet stage so important? Before we talk about how to do it and what to use and not use, why do we want a silent stage? We kind of hinted on this a little bit on episode eight. For those that did not hear or listen to that episode yet, we talked about monitors. And go and, back and listen to that episode. Oh, for sure. It's going to have a lot of insight for good, this one. Good insight. Yeah. So why we want as less stage monitors as possible and things like that. So what is the importance of having a silent stage or a quiet stage? It's important to have a silent stage, uh, I believe mostly so that, A, you have a great listening experience as a consumer, and B, as a mixer, you can have the most flexibility and you can really mix how it's supposed to sound versus having to compensate for loud Gotta live drums. With the stage yeah, you don't want to compete yep. with the stage. Um, so treating the room can help with that, as well as getting dialing in your live drums, figuring out are you using amps or are you using modelers, and just really dialing in each of those areas, which we're going to dive into one by one now. Yes. So let's start with drums because everyone starts with drums because drums are the most important, right? It's the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room. Yes. So there are lots of different directions you can go with drums. Uh, you can go with electric drums, mm. which churches use. And within electric drums, there is a lot of different types of electric drums. So you have the inexpensive versions that are a rubber pad that you would just hit with your drumsticks for your snare, toms, cymbals, all that stuff. It's basically a rubber, rubber pad. 
all the way up to the nicer versions, which are typically like a mesh head, where it's, I would say, closer to uh, the same feel as an actual acoustic it's drum set. It's got the bounce back in it. It's got it. more of a bounce. You can have a little bit more dynamics. You can do rim shots and that type of stuff with those drums. So yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different versions of going the electric drum route. There's also a lot of versions in the acoustic drum route as well. I'll say right away, I am not a drummer. I can... Me neither. I can play a beat. And that's I, about all I can do. I can do three limbs. And then when you add the fourth, <laughs> it's just bad. Chaos? Yeah. So uh, hopefully we get some of this uh, terminology correct and things like that. Uh, I'm speaking more on the mixing and sound side of things, not from a I'm a drummer perspective side and, and perspective. So uh, within the drums, acoustic drums, there's a lot of different variations. So there's types, there's different types of wood for the shells, and those can allow the drum heads to be louder or quieter or more sustain and things like that with the head and how they the heads work with the shells. And the head itself is there's a- different types of heads. Yep. Um so you can have those tuned higher, lower, you have different amount of ply of the heads themselves. And then you have symbols, lots of different types of symbols. You got small diameter symbols, you got large diameter symbols, you've got some that have holes and and thicknesses and things like that. And all of those play into account the tone of the symbol and also the ring of the symbol. So how long the symbol rings. There's a lot of different variations of drums out there. And I would say, I forgot where I heard this once. It might've been a YouTube version, YouTube video, um, which can be hit or miss depending on what you listen to. But I remember hearing once that and it was a drummer saying this that basically if you were a really good drummer you can play an acoustic drum set in pretty much any setting or any room and you can make it work so there's there's a lot of churches out there that oh acoustic drums are just they're too loud for our room or they just don't work in our context and things like that And that might be true as far as like in the context or your style of music, an actual full acoustic drum set just might not work for you. But if you're battling the loudness, again, there's lots of different ways to control the drum volume. But I think a lot of it does really start with the drummer itself. Yeah, it comes down to that source player playing the material. Um, If you get a guy coming in and they're just banging away, no matter their setting. Like if the sticks are above the <laughs> player's head. They don't have the finesse right. needed to. If, if they're swinging the sticks above the head, it just my guess is probably going to be a little too loud. Uh, at Harvest, what do you guys do for your drums to control the volume for your room? Because you've had... You, you, We've you, had several iterations you, had of lots, our live yeah. drum kit. So you, yes, you use a live drum set. And your room seats 12-ish hundred? 12-ish hundred. Yep. So it's a larger room. Larger room, basically gymnasium, flat flooring. Yep, okay. uh, High ceilings. And 
when we first moved into our room, we had a fully open kit with a little bit of a sound baffle in front of it. That didn't last very long, especially before we got those, hey, it's a little loud. I only hear the drums. Com- complaints, criticisms coming those, in. Those don't happen in the church, do they? They do. <laughs> and uh, so then we built a pretty large uh, drum enclosure, like house built, made out of wood. With full enclosure, like full roof, enclosure, back door. Roof, roof. No actual back door, but it did have like an entryway like, back. And was it like a curtain? It was like an open. No, it probably should it have was had just a curtain. Open. It was just open. Got it. Okay. But it did have some back wall. It walls. did have like a wall and like a yep. literal door you'd walk through. Yep. Uh, with some tectum for some sound absorption in there. And then we went a different route and kind of went back to the live drum kit. How how long did you have the full enclosure before you... The full enclosure say? we had for probably five years-ish. Okay, so pretty pretty long. Four or five years. It, oh, yeah, it lasted a while. And then we wanted to experiment again with the live drums, but implement just sound baffles. So getting rid of the full cage. Getting rid of the full cage aspect. Yep. An enclosure, but having the circular baffles in front of the symbols. Right. What was the what was the thought process or what were you trying to gain or problem solving were you trying to go with? At that, that point, we were trying to eliminate the fishbowl aspect mm-hmm. of a full drum enclosure. Yep. So we got them out of the drum kit and did the baffles. Still couldn't quite control it like we wanted to in our room. Sure. So, and with our players. Yeah. And the drum set and all of those variations. When you took it out of the enclosure, did you do anything with the drums or cymbals or just take them out of the enclosure and add some baffles. Yeah, we just took them out and added baffles. Okay. I, th- I think actually we did switch out the symbols. Yep. I can't speak to which exact symbols. Zildjian, I'm sure. Yeah. We got the complaints again. <laughs> that <laughs> the drums it was are too loud. too loud. Yes. So I love the uh, when you get the. I would say typically it's a little old lady, but walk in front of the sound booth and they put their ears, their fingers in their ears, and they just walk by like. Hey, look at me, but I'm not going to actually physically say or look at you, but I'm just going to walk by you and you should notice. You should notice that I'm plugging my ears. Yeah, that hasn't happened to me either ever. Those are great. So you got the complaints. Got the complaints. So then we went back. So basically our original drum platform, it was a great like size. So we just chopped everything off of it. Okay. And it's on wheels. So we kept the bass. And we kept around the like shielding in mm-hmm. the front. So what we ended up doing was just kind of making our old fishbowl a little bit more modern, I guess. Okay. And it didn't have the whole like beige wood thing going on. Right. Yep. And it just it looks way better than it did, and it's a smaller footprint. Well, technically it's the same 
like footprint of space on stage. Right. But it feels smaller. So then that worked for a while, no lid. But then we did end up putting a lid on top. Because you're getting more, you're we still getting complaints. We got a few complaints still yep. because basically at this point, we don't have any treatment on our back wall. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the And it's basically audio, a wood back it wall, It pretty right? much is, so yeah, it's drywall. A hard, hard surface, drywall, and some wood. So then after we got those complaints, we wanted to honor the people that were talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so we got a sound paneling treatment to go on the roof mm-hmm. of the drum set as well as kind of in an accordion shape on the back side of the drum set. Got it. So there still is technically like an opening on the back side as well as on the actual sides. But that seems to have really helped. One thing I, I probably forgot to say back with when I was talking about if you have a good drummer, you can play in just about any room. There's a little uh, asterisk with that. And that would be your room volume, like your DB volume when you're mixing audio does have to be, I shouldn't, I wouldn't say fairly loud, but it does have to be, like you can't have an acoustic drum set and mix audio at probably 70 DB. Your drum set's going to be. Your drum set will be probably 70 DB. So you do have to mix your volume at a certain level in order to make that work. So just for those that are like, well, there's no way that any drummer or a good drummer with any drum set can play in any room. And so, we do have a quieter mix so what would you at say, compared yeah, to others. So that's others. kind of where I was going with that. So what would you say, say five years ago, give or take a little bit, what would you say your, your average or your maximum DB for worship volume would be at harvest when you had a full enclosure full enclosure i don't know we weren't measuring then okay when you started when did you start measuring when you took the drums out of the enclosure or was it just before no they were still in the enclosure so what would you say i think we were averaging about 88 okay and and it was that was that was still considered too loud okay and then you went and took the drums out. Yeah. And obviously your volume probably did increase volume a little bit. Up specifically in the higher cymbaly range. Sure. So you're probably 89, 90 maybe. Yeah. And now you're back and into like a three quarter enclosure type. To a three quarter and we average about 83, 84 on a okay. weekend. Got it. And so far, so good. So far, so at, good. At that. At that, yep. Okay. Yeah, so you've had uh you've had quite a transition period with your drums of going from full enclosure to trying out the no enclosure and baffles and then dialing that back a little bit but not going to the full enclosure. Yeah, but I think your setup's pretty nice in the sense that specifically with the treatment you have to help with your drums. Yeah. So we were also in the same boat uh five, six years ago, we had a full enclosure. I'm going to go back even farther than that. When we moved into our worship center, we had a live drum set, and I believe we had just a shield, and that was it. No roof, no really side, and no back. And our worship style, 
I don't re- really remember exactly what it was, but it was a at that time I would say more of a modern worship. It was modern, yeah. And so, but we were getting some complaints on loudness, which I don't know if any church does has not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone does. Yeah, um, big or small, I would say. But anyways, so we actually got a sweet deal on whoa, yes, I know, on electric drum set. Oh, yes. I remember this phase. I All was right. still here for that. Yes. So we got an amazing deal on a Roland. At that time, it was like the top of the line electric drum set. It had the mesh heads, super nice drum set. Uh, we ended up getting it from a church that uh, was going under, unfortunately. And so we got an amazing deal on it. And we were like, you know what? We're going to give it a shot. We did not go in with this is what we're going to do. This is the direction we're heading or anything like that. It was a, we're just going to give Let's this a try shot. It. it was a can't pass up deal. And we're helping a church that can't pay their bills. So let's give it a shot. So we did. And so we've got amazing drummers at Mission. Like really good drummers. Yeah, and you do. Like back then and today, amazing drummers. And... They all hated the drums, the electric drums, which, again, totally understandable. They're not acoustic drums. They do feel different, even though we were we got the nicer version with the mesh heads and all that. They still just don't feel the same as acoustic drums, and we get that. So with conversations with our drummers saying, hey, this is, this is just something we're trying. It's not a set in stone. And everyone's like, okay. We'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot. And so I don't know exactly how long we ran the electric drums. We we gave them, I'd say, a fairly good run. And we set it up where we had separate outs for every single drum. So we had full control of the drums. So if we wanted to raise just the snare or kick, we could do that. We went in and found the best, basically, sample of every drum with our drummers. So we worked with our drummers to find what sounded to us the best in our room, in our context. So we, we spent a lot of time on the setup side of things to be able to get a decent sound and multiple outputs so we could control everything versus bring the drums all up or all down. We just kept battling with dynamics or the lack thereof Basically, if you hit the drum, whether it was soft or hard, like the same volume came out. And so we we called Roland. We talked with Roland. We went into the settings. And there are settings where you can control the dynamics and all that. And we just could not get them to be what we wanted them to be. And then the next problem was the cymbals still were a rubber pad. And you could actually hear the stick hitting the rubber pad, which was really annoying It's just like, yeah, didn't like it at all. So, but we gave it a shot. I would say we used it at least a year, if not longer. So we, we gave it a fair shot. We did. And every week we were working with it of trying different things and stuff like that. Ended up going back to an acoustic drum set. So went out and bought a brand new acoustic drum set. So we built a full enclosure and it was huge. Like you could park a car inside of it. That's how big it was. Uh, had a door on the back roof. It was on wheels. Uh, had a full shield on the front so you could see in it, obviously. 
And it worked really well. So we've got multiple construction people that attend mission. And so they built this thing like a tank. It was a tank. <laughs> it was a it tank. It was a tank. But it had, didn't it have like steel piping? It did to hold the front To hold up. the front on up on top. Because really, the, yeah, because the front half of the roof basically didn't have really any support except the plastic, yeah, the plexiglass shield. So they put some iron rods and it looked cool. I mean, it worked. It went with the rustic theme that was yes. very in then. Yep. And so, yeah, it it served its purpose. We could basically turn the drums off at front of house and you could beat on the drums and you could barely hear the drums. Like it served its purpose and it was great. There then led a problem because it was so big that when we do set designs and mission is very big with set designs. Yes. We do set designs all every the time. Week. <laughs> Not quite, but almost every week we change our set design. And we were having to build sets around the enclosure, which sometimes worked and sometimes it was like, well... And the stage itself is not very big. It's not very wide. It's very deep, but it's not super wide. Yeah, it just starting to become a a bigger problem more and more and more every time we change the set. And then we also do a huge day camp called Spy Kids at Mission where we go all out and the stage is like decked out decked out with you name it it's probably been on the stage and so we were just like we got to get rid of this thing either build it smaller or get rid of it altogether and do something different i also believe that if you don't have good treatment in a full enclosure even if you have good good treatment i would say the drums do sound different when they're in a full enclosure. The mics pick up the drums differently. It's bouncing, bouncing, bouncing off the, the plexiglass. So they did sound more in a box, I would say. Well, they are in a box. So maybe that's why they sound like they're in Probably. a box. Uh, but our daycare, daycare, our day camp is uh, very loud, like very loud. Very loud. And so we get. Uh, over 600 kids in our room. That's just kids. That's not including adults and leaders and all that stuff. And they're screaming and we got to pump the music louder than the the loudest thing in the room. And so uh, we decided, let's give this a shot and get rid of the enclosure and go full open drums, no shield, just full open. Our room seats uh, 550, so quite a bit smaller than Harvest. That that was a an issue because I mean it's a smaller room and trying to compensate for loud live drums it was an issue but we made it work it was like our trial can we make this work and it did so then from there we started really diving into how can we make this work in a church context because our church volume is definitely not as loud as day camp as day camp we usually mix our live worship church services around 90 to 92 dB. We still had to do some work to get the drums quieter to work for that context. So we went out and spent a lot of money and time on trying to get our drums to work in a church context volume. So what that included was different drum heads, and then we detuned our drum heads 
quite a bit, so they're not as loud and snappy and crackly. We went out and bought Heartbeat cymbals. All of our cymbals are now Heartbeat, which uh, if you don't know about Heartbeat, they, I would say they kind of specialize in a, they market themselves as a quieter church cymbal, I would say is part of what they market themselves as. So we did that, which that helped a lot. They're a little bit darker sounding cymbal, don't ring quite as long. And then probably the biggest thing that we did was we added acoustic treatment to the back wall of our stage and the side walls of our stage. We went up about, I believe it was 12 or 15 feet up from the floor. So floor all the way up 15 feet, black acoustic treatment, the whole width, and then part of the sides of our stage as well. And you have curtains on the side. And we do have curtains, but we Basically, we don't ever close them, but obviously that does help with absorbing some yeah. some sound. And then typically, I would say typically our drums are center stage. We do have the baffles. So we have four baffles. So basically two on each side by each symbol uh, cluster. Grouping. Yep. And then on a little riser, we do have a lyric banner screen center that's flown with an acoustic panel that's hanging horizontally right behind that. So you can't actually see it, but it's above the drums. So any sound that might get up, that should absorb or stop some of that. We went out and got new microphones, overheads. We, we went all out. And so we've, we've been running this way for, gosh, I don't know now, three, four years probably. I would say we still occasionally get the it's too loud complaint and by occasionally i would say like every quarter maybe once and i mean even with the full enclosure we, we were getting complaints as well not necessarily the drums are too loud just it's overall too loud and i would say when we get complaints now it's the same type it's not the drums are too loud it is a it's over, overall overall it's too loud so but again, it's like once a quarter, if that, and that's it. So that's drums. Hopefully that helped uh, some of your questions and issues and, and helped you guys with that. Let's go to amplifiers on stage. So bass, electric, and things like that. Do you guys have, how do you hook up your bass or electrics on stage? Everyone on our stage is going through either a direct DI or they have their own modeler. Um, Most of our guys who play electric specifically have a version of the Helix. Uh, We got a couple pod goes as well. Um, But yeah, most of our guys are going direct into their pedal system um, I wouldn't even put an amp on stage at this point. It'd have to be off in a back hallway. Yeah, fully. You guys enclosed. did that for a little bit. We didn't did you? that for a little bit. Okay, and then we stopped that because our back hallway does have like a little bit of a a room that they were using for a like classroom. A classroom. Yeah. Um, and then you're still getting noise complaints. And then we're still getting noise complaints <laughs> because, hey, I'm walking in this back hallway and there's this loud, 
<laughs> electric guitar. What's going on? It's always too loud. So no matter where it they was go. Great for the worship center. It didn't really <laughs> impact us at all, but in the back it was kind of inconvenient. Yeah. So now everyone is on yeah, line six helix. Does the church own a line six or uh we own the worship leaders, but uh, otherwise all of our guys have purchased right. their own that they bring in. Got it. Okay. And they're sharing patches back and forth or okay. telling them, you know, this is the patch I bought. Yep. So that's cool. And then base is just direct in with the DI. Either direct in with a or DI like a or they have a couple. One of the guys has a pod go, which Got uses it. the same like line six yep. helix sounds, but at a lower price point. Right. So... That's what we've been doing. And if I were to, if we ever had someone that really wanted to use their amp, we would have to say no. <laughs> wow, you're the bad guy. <laughs> or put them in a super enclosure off to the side of the stage or something, but it would never be on the stage itself. Who would be that bad guy? The worship pastor or you, the technical director? Probably both of us. Nice. Good. We are very similar. A long time ago, we we uh, actually just ran amps on stage. I'd say everybody had a starting point where they had amps on stage. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. And so we did that for quite a while. And there was, I would say, a weekly occurrence where we could mute the electric guitar. And at, it would still take over. Front of house, and it would still be too loud. Yeah. <laughs> And so then we're like, well, let's let's turn it around and then put it on a little wedge so it's pointed up at the at the musician, which worked a little bit better, but that was before our sound treatment on our back wall. So all it did then was just hit the back wall and bounce right back, back in the room. And now we're actually getting it a little more, bit later. A more too. millisecond delay to it. Then we we made a big push for in-ear monitors for the band. And then at that point, we said, no more amps on stage. So at that point, we were having bass amps and electric guitar amps. And a bass amp, I would say, isn't as big of an issue as an electric guitar amp because it is lower frequencies. So they're not the piercing higher frequencies like a guitar amp can do. And I'd say they're typically not as loud. And maybe that's just because the frequency range. They're not as loud as like a a Marshall or an electric guitar amp on stage. But anyway, so then we made a big push for in-ear monitors, which then came with no more amps on stage. That was, I believe, maybe six to 12 months after I came on staff, we made that big push. Because I'm like, we can't Control mix anything. And, yeah. Like we have to mix to the loudest thing in the room. And then you're getting that complaint. That hey, this and is we're too the loud. bad guys. Yeah, and you're the bad guy in it's the back. Loud. And so yeah, you have to mix to the loudest thing in the room, whatever that is. If that's your snare drum or cymbals or electric guitar amp or stage wedge, you have to mix to the loudest thing in the room. And so at that point, it was electric guitar amp because we did have the full drum enclosure, but electric guitar amp. And so I went to the worship pastor. I'm like, we got to do something. So yeah, so we made a big push to in your monitors. Got rid of amps. Bass was pretty easy to get rid of because I am a bass player. And so I can talk that lingo a little bit easier than to a drummer or electric guitar player. So that was an easy, just 
no more amps. So then we took the electric guitar amp, put that in our side room, cranked the volume to 11 because... Why not? <laughs> yeah, you go to 11 with everything. <laughs> Outside of creating a silent <laughs> stage. And put a Shure SM57 on the front of it. It was a Marshall uh, AC... 30? 30, I believe, or, or 15. Vox. I thought it was a Vox. Vox. Sorry, not Marshall. Vox. Sorry. One of our electric guitar players is a big Marshall guy, and he would bring his Marshall like half stack in sometimes. So, uh, yeah, a little confused there. Yes, Vox AC30, I believe, is what we, we owned. So we b- went out and bought that amp, put that in the side room, mic'd it, had a radial, I forget what it's called, but it's like the extender where it extends a quarter-inch cable out to... Um, out the stage. Yeah, so it runs it over XLR. And that worked really good. And so our electric guitar players were fine with that because they like their volumes, especially on a tube amp. You got to run them louder to get that nice tone. And you just couldn't do that. Even if we would let them, you just can't do that in the worship center. So in the side room, they could crank that thing all the way and we could not hear it in the room. So that worked really good. That actually made them happy because you can get a better tone the louder it runs, they started using in-ear monitors, which was a, a tough shift, but with, did it. with leadership and everyone being on the same page, this is the direction we're going. So it made it a little bit easier, I would say. Then we actually got on the kick of butt kickers. Oh. So if you've never heard of a butt kicker, it's a, basically it's a silent thing that vibrates that makes you feel frequencies. And so we had one for our bass player because they no longer had the amp. And with in-ear monitors, you don't really necessarily can feel that low frequency. And we actually had one for our drummer as well. On the seat. On the seat. Yes. Mounted to the seat. It it was pretty cool, but... Gimmicky. Yeah. Kind of gimmicky. I loved it, but it... I mean, it looked ugly, I remember the bass one being very heavy as well. They're they're very heavy. Yeah. It's just basically a big thing that platform. shakes. <laughs> and yeah, and the bass player is a plywood platform that they stand on. It was cool, but it was just more wires. Another thing on stage started looking cluttered. So we got rid of that and just did the in-ear monitors and we have no issues now. Yeah. So electric guitar wise, now we have a Kemper. We got those about two years ago, just before we launched our Morse campus, because we went in with this mindset where we want everything the same at both campuses. So we went out and bought two Kempers, one for our Manuka campus and one for our Morse campus. And all of our guitar players love it. They can pick whatever amp and tone that they want. We have full control of the sound because now we're not competing with anything. And it's just been a win-win for everybody on that. So good old amp mod- modelers are just a win-win-win. Amazing. Win. Yeah. Yes. They are not cheap, but they are amazing and they sound great. And you don't have to battle loudness. So another instrument we haven't really talked about that I had to battle for a while was a grand piano. Ooh, yes. That's right. You had one of those. So for a long time, we had a grand piano on stage, which 
are very difficult to mic. Yes. Very difficult. Yep. And we would occasionally run it open. Most of the time we ran it closed, which helped. Yep. Um, but yeah, now, I mean, this conversation is a little bit shorter, but now it, it we run a, our key sounds off of a acoustic, or sorry, an electric piano. It's really more of a controller. Yeah, you took a like an upright shell or a piano, made it a shell, and put a basically a MIDI keyboard in it in it yeah to get your sound so you, you still are... kind of had the look of a keyboard or a piano upright piano on stage yeah we went to a full well okay so we had both an a piano and a keys position yep originally now it's all one just mm-hmm. keys but we first had the keys fully exposed and it just didn't look great because you know how many cables are coming off of a yep. keyboard. And so then when we got our hands on a free um, piano, we took it all apart and put our keyboard in there, which can hide all of our wires. Yep. And it's super great. It also kind of appeases the people that really liked the grand piano. because right. they You get some of the older people that... In church, you have to have a piano. They don't know the difference. It looks like a piano. It looks like a piano. They don't see so the keys part of piano. it. So, yep. So that's been great, and one of our louder instruments previously. Yeah. So, yep. One of the most important parts of your worship services is your screen. Think about it. Everyone in your congregation looks to your screen for song lyrics, sermon notes announcements, and scripture. It's a big deal. To keep your screens looking their very best, look no further than Church Motion Graphics. CMG has all of the eye-catching worship backgrounds, sermon and announcement slides, countdown videos, and more to bring your screens to life. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com now to find your next great look. Uh, You guys do not run any stage wedges is that correct correct we currently do not run any stage wedges but we went through that phase where we did for a long time Oh yeah, you had like a left and a right or something like that for a while yeah we had left side vocalists right side vocalists pretty much even before that though we did have wedges for a period of time i think our keyboard player had a speaker they didn't use wedges or it was like a little so they didn't use in-ears yeah they had like a little powered speaker. Yeah. And then we got everyone on the my mix. Right. Right. Which is a good segue into, I believe, going back to a previous, previous episode. This weekend is our TF weekend. You're going live with the separate monitor board Yamaha TF. Yes. To run nice. our in-ears. Yeah. Episode eight, we talked about monitors and the importance of in-ears versus stage wedge. And you can run monitors from front of house or from a personal mixer, mixing device like a MyMix or Avium, something like that. Or the next step from there would be a dedicated, a dedicated mixing monitor console. board. Yep. And so you guys just did that and you're going live this weekend. Yeah. Oh, man. Big day. That'll be exciting to hear how that goes. I'll on our be next excited episode. to share it on our next episode. Nice. We do actually, unfortunately, 
we still have one stage wedge for some vocals, but we have made it a goal this year that it will be out this year and our vo- all vocals will be strictly on in-ear monitors. So that is our goal to get rid of that, that, uh, that wedge. So I don't have anything else as far as like loud instruments on our stage. We've hit. We've, I can't think of any either. A, treatment. Just don't underestimate how much treatment can help. I mean, yours yeah. on your back wall has helped. You've got it everywhere, a and it's amazing. Like you walk up on stage and you just talk, and it's just like so quiet. Gone. So quiet. One big thing that we have not touched on yet would be now that we've talked about a quiet stage. You still have noise on stage if you have an acoustic drum set. What you need to do is you need to delay your PA to the loudest thing on stage, which probably, if I were to guess, is probably your snare. When you do that, it will make your mix sound so much tighter and your band sound so much tighter. So measure the distance from your snare to where your PA is, whatever that distance is, convert that to milliseconds, delay your PA that amount, and your band will sound so tight and so amazing. It's awesome. Now, if you have Pro a tip. Yes, if you have a different instrument that is the loudest, you would delay to that. But I would say chances are it's probably your snare. So delay it to that or your drum set in general and you're you'll be golden like so, the goose now if you have an electric drum set and it's a, basically a very very quiet stage you probably won't benefit from that that tip but um yeah there's a little tip for you if you haven't done that uh we have a super super important and exciting thing that we are doing actually two two first is a cmg Premium subscription. Yes. It's a giveaway for a premium subscription to CMG. All you have to do is go follow us on Instagram before March 31st. So the end of this month, that's like four days away if you're listening to this on Monday. And just follow us. That's all you got to do. We will pick a winner from there. We will DM you and we will get you that amazing subscription from Jeff and the team over at CMG. Coming up in May, there's an exciting conference yes. local to Chicago. Yes. If you have not heard of Philo. First in, last, last out. out. It's a amazing conference for technical artists, band and technical Worship. directors and sound team and video, all everybody in the technical arts of a worship service. So uh, if you have not heard about that, go check it out and go to it. It's May 10 and 11. It's at Willow Creek Community Church. Here in South Barrington, Illinois. Yep. Not here. We're not there. That's right. It's, in Illinois. It's in <laughs> South in Illinois. Barrington, Illinois. Yes. And you guys need to go to it. If you have not been to it before, it is a one-of-a-kind conference. We'll be there. We will be there live. Live. So if you'd like to meet the faces behind the voices, we'll be there. Yes. We won't be on stage, but we'll be there live. 
Yeah, we're going to be totally anonymous and no one's really going to actually know. Is that the guy or is, is that, that the guy? guy? Oh, how about that guy? Hey, you. No, not you. We don't have a booth. We don't have nothing. We're, we're just going. attending. We are attending and we are super excited. We have gone in the past. Yes, and we have. It is a, it's an amazing time to grow multiple ways, spiritually and um, technically. Techni- technically and even building relationships with other technical artists in the area and across the country. There's usually a donut wall. Who doesn't like that? Good old Amplio usually brings the donut wall. Amplio is a great integrator. If you uh, don't know who they are, they're Get in also, touch with them. Yeah, they're also local to us. But we have an exciting announcement for Philo. We do? We do. What's that? We are giving away one free ticket to Philo. We're giving away one free ticket to Philo? We are. One, wow. A free ticket. So, all right, to win this free ticket. We want to hear from you. We do. We want to hear from our community of listeners. So we will create an Instagram post about the Philo conference. And we would select a comment on that post to take home a free ticket. A free ticket. That's it. So yeah, so uh, comment on that post. We will pull a winner from there. We will DM you and we will get you that code to uh, get a free Philo ticket. So uh, Todd is an amazing person and puts together this conference for for everybody. Also has a book. You just read the book, didn't you? I did. I did. I really enjoyed the book. Yeah. That I'm totally spacing on the title at this exact moment. <laughs> Oh, I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. Yes. But it does not just talk about Christmas. It is for all aspects of the technical worship side of things. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Todd is an amazing guy and he is uh, totally on board with helping technical leaders like us. and Grow and develop. Yeah. And so you do not want to miss this. So make sure you comment on that post. And we will DM you and we'll get you in. So super excited about that. Well, that's it. That is we it. talked about the silent stage. In future episodes, I believe we'll take deeper dives into each of these areas as well. But that's down the line. So next week, we will be talking about mixing broadcast, which everybody, because of the great, amazing world of COVID, sickness of COVID, kind of force everyone to start doing that somehow and somewhere um, but it is still a very important thing to do and so we are going to talk about how Eric does it how I do it what we've learned over the years what we've grown and how we started and what we're doing now and hopefully help you guys out with with all that so until then you guys have an amazing week and we will see you guys next week later later